It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, Oregon's got a new offensive line coach, and he's got a lot of players coming in the 2023 class. Which of those true freshmen could be the most impactful this year? Eh, they're probably on defense. Here we go. You are Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, it is that time once again for Locked On Ducks. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with the Ducks. If you haven't already, please like, comment, subscribe wherever you listen to or watch this show. If you want to drop a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, appreciate that as well. Also appreciate FanDuel for bringing you today's episode, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. Yes, I am recording this live from the Venetian hotel room. I won't share the number. That feels a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, indeed. Uh, For those of you listening on podcast, it's a bird. It's a plane. No, it is John Garcia, Jr., our director of recruiting here at the Locked On Network, though uh, comparing him to Superman is indeed I think a worthy comparison, just in my my particular view, John. But it's great to have you back on the show as always. And we've got a new offensive line coach. Elite Terry was at Oregon very briefly. He's bounced around a little bit. Your reactions to Oregon making that hire after Adrian Clem left to go to the NFL? Another kind of Dan Lanning, high upside, young, energetic, I've been there and done that type of hire. And that is exactly how he's built this thing at, at Oregon thus far. Aleek Terry, um, first of all, great ACC offensive lineman, not that long ago at Wake Forest, four-year starter, coming out of Miami, Florida. He was, it was a sleeper recruit. He was a guy that I actually covered for a little bit, so feeling a little old today. And, uh, yeah, was a great kid to talk to, very much always had the big picture in mind, even as a 16-, 17-year-old. So I wasn't surprised to see him – play well, hit the ground running in college, and then got he got right into coaching. You know, he coached there at Wake. Uh, as you mentioned, he was at Oregon in, in 2019, Hawaii, and then was with the Vikings last year as, as an assistant D-line coach, which is interesting because, you know, long-time you know, career O-lineman who played, coached on the offensive side of the ball, and then you get that NFL experience, but it's on the defensive line. So naturally – you get the push-pull, it's like recruiting a two-way prospect, right? They have a little bit better understanding of the position. So I think those credentials and his playing experience, in addition to the youth, will allow him to really hit the ground running. He's already recruited. He's already coached at a, a power for or an FBS level uh, as, as the O-line coach for Hawaii in a, in a pretty wide-open offense. So, you know, some of those traits will carry over. And he had been at Oregon before, so he knows specifically – the expectation, the culture there, I think 19 was a Rose Bowl season there for the Ducks. So he won while he was there. And, and certainly that appeal was was going to be intriguing to him. Look, there's not a lot of guys who jump up to the league, even if for one year and then jump back to college. Um, I think that tells you where Leak's passion is. Um, so I think the playing experience, the NFL cup of coffee or whatever we want to call it, will pair nicely with his youth. 
Um, and honestly ties back to a state that Oregon's seemingly always going to recruit, you know, back in, in his hometown state of, of Florida. So I think it profiles really well. Um, I saw it on Twitter and, you know, kind of smiled a little bit. I think this is a really nice move uh, for the Ducks because if he becomes a, a great old line coach, you, you've got him on the ground floor, which means he'll become that coach, you know, in Eugene as opposed to somewhere else. And, and he's another young guy for the Ducks and Dan Lanning. And that's something that has been a recurring theme. Like Clem, I think, was actually one of the older coaches on the staff this past year. I think Tosh Lupoy is even one of the older coaches. He's still pretty sure in his 40s. I, I think he's like early or early to mid 40s sometime, so, somewhere around there. So it's been sort of a consistent theme. And, and I think, you, you know, the, the upside exists in the recruiting space. For someone who's younger, I think the relatability to players is a very real thing for for these, uh, you know, these generations of of recruits that we're seeing year in and year out. And that certainly presents a lot of upside on the, the recruiting front. I think the the drawback, if you want to look at it that way, is the experience is not going to be there quite as much. You have coaches who it feels like they're kind of lear- learning on the job, but I-, I feel like the upside here is is very real because he is coming into a very talented room, not just with high school players the Ducks have had, but the transfers that Adrian Clem was able to bring in along with Dan Lanning before Clem left to go to uh, the NFL. So, so I think at the very least, John, he's coming into a, a good situation. Yeah, 100%. I mean, there's no doubt about that part of it, uh, which is probably, again, you don't make that jump often, even as an assistant position coach in the NFL. But if you're going to do it, you want to go where there is a lot of uh, great talent. Uh, And certainly Oregon has that. And he understands, again, what the expectation and culture is like specifically in Eugene. I should also mention he was a center, you know, so smart guy guy who got his entire offensive line lined up, called out protections, things like that. So I, I think those guys get a little bit more benefit of the doubt uh, amongst offensive linemen. So I really like this get again. It, this young theme, as you mentioned, Spencer, it's more important than it ever has been in recruiting to be able to relate to players, to prospects, because it has changed so much in the last 10 years, even from when leak was coming out of high school. But you've got to still communicate with those guys, which means it's through multiple avenues, right? It's on the phone. It's FaceTime. It's texting. It's DMs. It's sharing videos, cracking a joke. There's so many different elements to it. And then on top of it, with NIL, now it's branding. So that NFL that NFL feather in the cap means even more because not only, of course, did you coach at the very highest level of the sport on this planet – but you've also dealt with personalities, guys who have their own brands, like a Justin Jefferson, a Dalvin Cook. I mean, that that Vikings D-line, you know, has some characters within it as well. Um, you know, Daniel Hunter comes to mind. So, you know, I think that experience will help uh, in and of itself on top of it because it's, again, it's, it's a modern recruiting hire, and, and that's what you got to do. If you look around the country, there are splashes like this with, you know, plenty of coaches – well short of age 30 that are hitting the ground running both on the field and specifically from a recruiting perspective. So not a huge surprise to see Dan continue to push in that direction. I, I, w- I was curious. He's, he only spent one year in the NFL, so he doesn't have, you know, a huge track record at this point in time yet, but I, I was wondering whether or not Lanning would go back to the well on a coach who had been in the NFL before, because that indicates as we learned with Adrian Clem that, 
his long-term interests might rest there. Whereas if you're an offensive line coach at Oregon and you've only ever been at the college ranks, Oregon is among the most attractive places, at least in my view, to be. And there are not too many other opportunities, barring, of course, you know, a coordinator position opening up, if that's something that intrigues him, that would draw him away. But but it does, and I'm sure Oregon fans are already talking about this sort of stuff, know them as I do at this point in time, about, well, if he if he was in the NFL, does he have that that sort of interest? Does he have that sort of draw? Could that be someone who does that? And I want to ask John that particular question, but I also want to ask you why you haven't checked out FanDuel yet. I'm in Las Vegas right now. I'd still consider check out checking out the FanDuel Sportsbook app because it is the number one sportsbook in these United States. New customers can get a no-sweat bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. It is not as easy to bet sports as you may think. I know from personal experience. They can, then you can bet on everything at FanDuel from the money line, point scores, threes drain, whatever you want. You can just suddenly make anything interesting. An NBA game between the Pistons and the Magic could suddenly become electrifying if you go check out FanDuel. They are a bunch of NBA bets every single week. Spread, money line, total, anything and everything you want. So don't miss the chance to get your no sweat first bet up to a thousand dollars in bonus bets when you go to fanduel.com slash locked on. That's fanduel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook betting partner of the NBA. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA, and now through June 30. Get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. So getting back into things here with John Garcia, our recruiting insider here at the locked on network and also just to be clear no i am not actually paying for this room at at the venetian my buddy's here for a work conference he had space in his room and here i am not just 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 so we're all operating on the same the same the same wavelength here they're like hey lock the locked on network pays well huh They do pay Vegas for Super that, Bowl week, post Super yeah, Bowl week. I, I not see. not bad. Life, yeah. I I was I wasn't complaining. Life is not too bad. But Oregon fans, John, will no doubt be wondering: Is this a move? And then we're going. We are going to get to some recruiting specifics here. Is this a move that that we could see Elite Terry make one day, where he wants to go back to the NFL? Do you think that's a reasonable concern, or did going to the league feel more? like a, a bit of a pit stop for him. You know, there's there's a lot of college feel with the league. And, and again, you don't leave it to go back to it if you hate it, right? The, the big drawback for coaches right now in college versus the NFL is that ever-changing profile of how to recruit players and how much harder and more time-consuming it is. That's usually the reason why you, you jump in and, and you stay in the league, right? It's a little bit more narrow certainly it's more volatile but you know you don't have to recruit you know maybe a free agent here and there so typically when you do jump back uh it, it means you love it um and the league is a guy who again he's, he's been at so many places 
in different roles at the collegiate level that you kind of have to. I mean, this kid's literally, this young man, excuse me, has literally been all over the country doing this from Miami to Wake Forest, Hawaii, uh, up to Minnesota now, you know, back to Eugene for a second stint. He's scaled the country as an O-line guru. So I think he he loves it. You know, I got a DM into him right now. Hopefully he, he gets back to me and I can let you know for sure. Uh, but he's definitely excited about getting back to the collegiate game. And and he's he's able to have that post by himself now, right? He's the offensive line coach. I think that's the biggest difference. He had that at Hawaii, no disrespect uh, to that program, but it's a, a major step up to, to a couple of years later being doing that, being able to do that at Oregon in a Pac-12 that, look, uh, I can't remember – this much excitement for the conference, right? So to jump back in at this point, I, I do think uh, says a lot. Uh, the brand, all that stuff is still incredibly strong uh, with Oregon. Um, and I think it shows in not only recruiting players, but recruiting coaches. As we've seen Lanning not only fill these open roles pretty quickly, but he's doing so with with some interesting names that are are going to you know probably you know work out for the better. Let's switch over to uh, the recruiting side, which is, of course, your primary area of expertise. But as everyone has learned on today's show, John is a man of many talents and vast, a wealth of knowledge, a vast wealth of knowledge to be sure. So let's examine Oregon's 2023 recruiting class here and who the most impactful players could be specifically on the defensive side of the ball. I think offense, we might have to save for a, a conversation for another day next week, perhaps. But the defense is where Oregon has the most questions going into this season. They've added a lot of portal players who figure to be starters, you know, the Evan Williams and the Tysheem Johnsons uh, of the world, maybe Kyrie Jackson. But I want to focus on the high school recruiting ranks. And just so everyone keeps this in perspective, recruiting classes from the high school ranks do still matter. In the portal era, though, it's a lot easier for those kids to maybe have to wait another year to see more playing time. Because from the 2022 recruiting class, which were also filled with players that Dan Lanning and this staff did not specifically recruit. So they may be more inclined to play guys who they have recruited this year. The only true freshman who saw meaningful snaps a year ago, there were four and really there were three. Josh Connerly in the jumbo package. Jordan James also primarily in that jumbo package. Jalil Florence was probably the most impactful true freshman, and Kamari Terrell played played a little bit on the defensive side as well. So as we kind of pilfer through and and attempt to find the defensive players who might see the field as really young players for the Ducks in in 2023, John, let's keep it on the defensive side of the ball today because I think that's where the most impactful players could probably come from anyway, except for maybe Jurion Dickey. Who, do you, who stands out to you as a true freshman that could be on the field for the Ducks this year when the games are still in the balance? Well, look, we know there's going to be a lot of turnover uh, across the board, but the secondary in particular is where not only do you see that at Oregon at the highest level. I mean, look, Christian Gonzalez, it's like he's mocked higher and higher every time I look. Yep. But you saw an emphasis at the end of the recruiting cycle uh, in the secondary in particular. And typically the guys who – hit the ground running as DBs making that transition from high school to college, they bring more than one thing to the table. So either you're, you're incredibly long, but you also got this, you know, or you're this short, fast guy, but you also bring this to the table. And I, I look at Dalen Austin and Rod Pleasant, and I look at them as, as potential 
fill-in guys, glue guys who can help in the margins, even if all these transfers come over and take these starting spots. One, because you can never have too many defensive backs, right? And you're talking about five or six in a very conventional game plan, especially, again, in a very quarterback-friendly uh, Pac-12 uh, that we're going to see roll out in 23. So with Austin, um, Long Beach Poly guy, extremely long, extremely twitchy player, uh, but he's got great instincts and ball skills. So he might not be a guy you say, hey, go out and cover you know, Stanford's best one-on-one, but come play this underneath zone because you've got the range and you've got the instincts to come out and, and make some plays. And he's also got collegiate size. He's already 185 pounds, probably be closer to 200 by the time he actually suits up for the Ducks. And he's got great linear speed. So that always points you to special teams or cracking the rotation in another way. And then Roderick Pleasant, you know, speed is is really the name of his game. You know, arguably the fastest football player, that ran track uh, in this class of, of 2023. So we know from the beginning, you know, you know, a, a Jay Sarah guy, great receiver, great returner in high school as well. You, you think he's probably going to factor into that really early in his Oregon career, but even defensively, again, he's a guy who's got such elite speed that even if the technique isn't quite there, he can make up for so much of it. So you think of your nickel, your dime packages, what are you combating? running backs out of the backfield that are becoming better pass catchers than ever and slot receivers that have a two-way go that are harder to defend than ever. So typically it's the ultra polished or just the ultra twitchy guys that you want to combat them with. And I think Rod Plezik has a lot of that uh, in his bag uh, headed to Oregon. So two late gets um, Austin was committed to LSU. Pleasant was a, a true heavyweight battle with USC. I think both of those uh, could pay off pretty much immediately for for Dan Landing, which is you know kind of par for the course, right? You know you, you saw that great late splash in the cycle. You wonder if that group of players is going to pay off, and I think it will. And, and I don't think there's a, a possibility, given the players in this class, that we don't see any true freshmen play at least some meaningful snaps over the course of the year. I mean, Landing showed and his staff a propensity to do that with players who they either snagged late, like Josh Connolly was a guy that they pushed for really hard. There was that great video of landing, getting all fired up for landing him. And guess what? He ended up playing a lot as, as a true freshman, Julio Florence, same sort of deal. He was kind of wishy-washy on Oregon after crystal ball left, but then landing came in, he chose the ducks. He ended up playing a pretty good amount. A lot of those other players were, you know, Mario Cristobal recruits, still good players for, for sure. But I think when you have that personal connection, it increases the the likelihood that they could potentially see the field. I, I'm most intrigued by Rod Pleasant in that speed, not just because it felt like Oregon secondary was lacking that speed at times in, in 2022, but also in the return game, because that's one of the things that stands out to him or about him on on his high school recruiting film is his ability to contribute in, in the return game. There is no way, there is absolutely no way, though Hudson had some decent moments in the return game, there is no set, surefire, number one returner for the Ducks going into this year. And if that's the case, John, it is, is Pleasant the sort of player that could be that, that guy or one of those guys as a true freshman. Absolutely. I'd be pretty surprised if he was not at least, you know, in the running pretty, pretty quickly, you know, kick return and punt return, by the way, this, this is, we, we always lump them together. They're very different, but I think Pleasant can excel in, in both fields. Again, I, I think 
day one when he arrives, if, if he hasn't enrolled already, you do you do sprints, you do the run test, whatever it is early on, and this this is the guy who's going to be winning all of those races, right? At at full go, um, the day he gets to campus, and that's just that's not just hey, you you won a battle for a very fast player. That is head turning, you know. That's something that everybody can realize and understand immediately when you get on the field. So that type of talent is is not to be wasted. Uh, so I think that combined with his experience on offense and in the return game will allow him to do so. I think with that true speed, you, you lean a little bit more towards the kick returning element, but there's some quickness and elusiveness there. It's not just a linear speed uh, kind of situation like a, like a Ted Ginn of yesteryear. There's some wiggle here with Rod Pleasant, and he's also he's kind of marketed as this smaller, faster type, and he certainly is, but he's not tiny. You know, He's 5'11", he's 185 or so. He's got enough juiced right now physically to hold up you know because a lot of these track guys you hey he's smaller and faster so you're like oh well one hit and and we'll see not the case with pleasant got got to measure him up uh late in the cycle uh, in person and and he was bigger than i thought he would be you know he's not generously listed Uh, i think he's going to factor in again whether it's the db rotation and or the return game pretty much day one when he gets to eugene Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, especially during March. Your eyes are on the road, but the driver in front of you has both eyes on their bracket. Their sudden braking puts you in a 16-car pileup that's anything but sweet. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this is worse than a busted bracket. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability, savings vary. I wonder, because I've also heard some rumblings about him playing some slot receiver, going both ways, doing that. I, 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 I wonder if he couldn't be a Charles Nelson type player, who I think was Oregon's really last great returner. Mikhail Wright on kick returns was pretty darn good. Another defensive back who had high end speed. He had uh, a couple kick return touchdowns in his career, two or three, if I'm uh, not mistaken. But I think Charles Nelson is the kind of guy that. You know, Austin's a little bit more defensively oriented, but can play both ways, little smaller, high-end speed, quickness. And Nelson was a really, really good kick returner. I think the Ducks have just been missing that for a, a couple of years. Before we answer a, a mailbag question here and uh, look way, way ahead to the future, Mateo Uyangalele is the name defensively that stands out, not just because of the caliber recruit that he is, but the position that he plays, which was such a big weakness for, for the Ducks a, a year ago. Is he a guy who you think slides right in and starts right away, is playing a lot, part of the rotation? How do you see him projecting as a true freshman? Because I think that's the other kind of obvious name that you look at in in this recruiting cycle and say, that's a true freshman who could play right away. Yeah, I think when we talk about rotations, it's it's not with a negative connotation, especially when you talk about the D-line. This is... This is the group that needs to rotate, right? Because if you want to get after the passer consistently, you know, these guys are on some type of, you know, 6-3 rotation relative to their backup. So it's really the two deep that you're dealing with as an offensive uh, game planner going into any given week. So in that regard, yeah, I think Uyangalele sees the field right away. He cracks that rotation. And again, he he brings versatility. That's, that's the common thread. If you're going to see the field early, you got to do more than one thing, particularly on the defensive side of the ball. And his frame will allow him to work inside or outside. So depending on 
the opponent and the packages uh, that Landing and Company draw up, I, I think you could see a bunch of Obiangalale, uh, particularly early in the season. Right, you're you're going to play, you know, um, what Portland State right out of the gate. Yep. So you're gonna, you're going to build up, right? It's, there's there's no Georgia Week One kind of here we go kind of game. So I do think that's a good thing for you know figuring out what you have on your own roster. You could do a little bit more evaluating. No disrespect. Uh, against Portland State than you could uh, against the defending national champs. So I do think that that buildup will help those young guys see the field, and Uyangalale uh, will be able to make it happen. He's got enough twitch on the edge to live there and stay there as a true freshman, even at 265. But really, the intrigue is, can he be that inside-out pass rusher? Can he be the guy that puts pressure immediately on the interior of the offensive line as opposed to working downhill against offensive tackles. So now that he's focused really for the first time in his life on one position, you know, I think you could see not only, um, you know, physically him being ready to go, but, you know, mentally and technically he's going to be able to hone in on it uh, and, and kind of hit the ground running. Um, there's a bit of a chip on the shoulder as well. I don't think he liked the way the cycle ended uh, relative to his recruitment and some of that other stuff. So yeah, his, his I, composite rating just like keeps, keeps coming yeah. down, which frankly, if it puts a chip on his shoulder, I'm, I'm good. I, I'm, I'm good not going to give the quotes that, that I got from the family, but <laughs> let's just say they're aware. They're aware of, of how it went down there in the end. Uh, so that'll be fascinating to, to track. Yeah. I, I like that. They open with Portland state week two. You got to go to Lubbock play at Texas tech. That will not be an easy game. Uh, Coach McGuire is the guy that that's over there. Right. I think he did a really nice job in, in year one, putting together an eight win season, knocking off Ole Miss in a bowl game. I think that's a, a really, really solid opponent, but I am glad you get the, the, the tune up game against Portland state essentially to kind of, work the kinks out, figure out the depth chart, get get everything kind of, get your ducks in a row, so to speak. Great use of that metaphor by me right there. And then, <laughs> then kind of get ready to go and and play Texas Tech instead of going right into the fire uh, against, against Georgia there. But now let's look, John, to the next cycle. Because this 2023 class, look, Deuce Robinson is hanging out there. That's pretty much it from the high school ranks. Yeah. There's another portal window. I'm really curious to see what that looks like. It can't possibly be as busy as the one that we just saw, but you could still see some more action there. I would expect Oregon to lose more players than they add in the next portal cycle because you'll have gone through spring football and understood the depth charts and everything. Correct. But question came in here that I thought you were the perfect person to answer from someone named Sao Chow. All right, whatever <laughs> whatever floats your boat. Uh, with the 23 class almost wrapped up, what position or positions do you think Landing will focus on for the next class, so looking at the 2024 cycle, I, I don't think quarterback is going to be low on the priority list. I think it could actually be pretty high, even with Nova Sat there. But the potential, it, you, don't, you don't know what Ty Thompson's going to do. But even so, you don't want to go into a season with two scholarship quarterbacks. Maybe they'd hit the portal. I, I think quarterback could be there. I think tight end, linebacker, and maybe star safety. Those are kind of the ones that that stood out to me. But isn't there also an element of this, John, that is kind of in a wait-and-see mode in terms of watch the 2023 season, understand where the team needs to improve in the long run, see who transfers out, and then kind of assess. That, that's kind of how I reacted to it. Your thoughts? Yeah, I think even with spring football, that that's going to be kind of the galvanizing point. Get through the spring game in April and then May 1st, sit down and say, hey, these guys are leaving. These guys are coming in. This is where we're at at this point. 
it'll become really clear uh, pretty quickly, I think, for for the direction of the board. And that's just that's just in the margins, right, Spence? Because look, every every school has kind of their base plan, and for most, it's bringing in an entire offensive line, matching it with a defensive line, and a quarterback. That's like standard for every single class. That's basically eleven guys, half your class, done from a numbers perspective before you really go forward. And then, like you said, if quarterback is a big priority, do you consider one from high school, one from the portal, two from high school, whatever that plan looks like, it will develop in relatively short order again, because that's the time of year quarterback recruiting ramps up, not, not, not to coincidentally either. It's usually late spring, early summer when a lot of these quarterbacks start to come off the board and finalize their recruiting processes. And that's a lot of times that the schools are pushing most at that point uh, as well. And then there'll be some obvious ones, right? Um, obviously, you're not going to just abandon the skill positions on offense. You always need secondary players and pass rushers. Those will always be a part of the class. But looking at last year, just one linebacker, one true off-ball linebacker brought in, I thought that would kind of be a natural area to add more. Uh, look, from a volume perspective, linebacker is is shrinking in importance, right? Because you've got so many DBs on the field, so many pass rushers on the field, but you still need them, uh, particularly for early downs and when the weather turns. So I do think linebacker is going to be one of those priorities. I thought tight end like you did. They've already got one committed in 2024, so it's it's a good start uh, in that regard uh, for Oregon. Uh, so you see where they work going forward. But generally, you, you go heavy in the trenches, and you got to hit quarterback first, and then you build from there. And I think we'll have a much clearer picture here in a few months once spring ball comes to a close because, like you said, you're going to get not only that evaluation of your own roster, but the portal ins and outs will be all but finalized uh, by the end of that month. So you'll really know what you need to push for or, or not. Right. And as you look ahead, just to kind of the recruiting class as a whole factoring in the portal and just assessing the total talent acquisition for 2024 right now, I'm, I'm with you that linebacker is there. There were more of those in the 2022 class that they seem to like because they've kept on the roster, Harrison Taggart, Devin Jackson among them. But yeah, they really only added Jerry Mixon as an actual linebacker in this 2023 cycle. I would expect that to be a position there. Defensive line was just a huge, I mean, a huge, huge focus yeah. in this in, in this round of recruiting. I feel like that'll lessen a little bit. Not that it'll go away or they won't go after high-level talent because you always want to, but I don't think you'll see, I mean, it's what, like eight, 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 eight to ten total defensive linemen. Like it, it's it's you can there's some really high. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think I think that will whittle down a little bit. Maybe they go a little more heavy on the offensive line, but I think tight end and linebacker, because you as you look at tight end too. Terrence Ferguson after this year might go to the NFL. I think he I think he is that sort of player. That's not a surefire thing. But you, you just kind of look at where the positions are stacking up. I, I think those are kind of the good uh, places to evaluate there. John Garcia Jr. are recruiting insider here at the Locked On Network. Thanks as always, John. Good to talk to you. Likewise, my friend. Enjoy Vegas. <laughs> already underway <laughs> appreciate everyone listening have a wonderful rest of your day and go ducks the ncaa tournament is almost here and listening to locked on college basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket so don't wait find locked on college basketball on youtube or wherever you get your podcasts part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.